It's good evening, ladies and <laughs> it's what we do best. Um, yes, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures. I believe we are on episode 207. Uh, but I am a little shady on that because honestly, we, as we just said, we fly by the seat of our pants and I can't remember if I changed the episode number or not, but I think it's episode 207 and we're going to be talking about aluminum versus steel versus titanium. And this is one of those things that is chatted about around the campfire. And, uh, this was a topic that I was thinking about for a while and just, it's been on our list and honestly, it was kind of in a crunch and I kind of came back to it as, uh, you know, back burner, good topic because, it is one of those things that a lot of up-and-coming bushcrafters or uh, campers or whatever you want to call yourself, outdoors enthusiasts, they wonder about this quite a bit. I remember I wondered about this when titanium spe uh, specifically started getting bigger out there, right? Like when I first started getting to this, your big items were basically aluminum or stainless. And then titanium kind of run onto the pitcher, right? And I didn't know if it was worth upgrading to titanium. I knew there were some pros, there were some cons and all this stuff. And I, like we have said in the past, I uh, obsessively researched about these things a little bit. And I'm sure you did too, Ben. I know you're very much like me in that manner. Yeah. And uh, anyway, yeah. So instead of somebody else potentially diving down the rabbit hole that was uh, a couple week long researching venture, <laughs> I figured we could chat about it a little bit and maybe point out some of those pros, cons, uh, depending on what you're going to be using these things for, because it, it most people are going to think cookware, but I mean, you can get cookware, stoves, tent pegs, like the, the three materials exist across a couple different avenues here, but the characteristics that each material brings to the table, I think is kind of uh, carried over depending on where you want to go. And there's some of those fundamental characteristics that I thought maybe we could chat about and maybe give some people an idea of where one thing is good, maybe something else is not as good, and, you know, where it's being used. Sounds like a plan. All yeah. right. So in case anyone who just started and heard us, uh, what we're the best at, it's, it's winging it. So <laughs> I know that that might have sounded a bit off there. Uh, yeah. So I, I, maybe I haven't done quite the research you have, but then again, it's hard to tell. Um, and it's been a little bit of a while since I have, but it, it's a really interesting subject because, you know, you hear it all the time. And it's it, it came up for me with the ultralight crowd, right? And uh, I think cookware was the first place that really became evident to me, but uh, tent poles even, because um, you can get them all. And there's a few other products like that we could briefly mention, but these are the ones that are probably most relatable where you there's not... They're more or less interchangeable. You might find like carbon fiber and fiberglass used in like poles and stuff, but um, <clears throat> and you can get aluminum ones. But with carbon fiber, you have a whole other slew of problems. Yeah, and that's true. And I mean, we can briefly touch on those. And uh, just from the comments here, we see Red Bear Tactical asking about cast iron. And there are other materials out there, like I said, depending on what you're going to be using these things for. Um, but these are the three big ones that most people come back to when they're actually, you know, doing their research and stuff. Once you start looking up cast iron and things like that, generally, and I do say generally, uh, you've been into this a little bit already. And you're starting to look for something that's going to tailor to the, your needs. Like, I'm a big fan of cast iron. Love the stuff. Don't want to drag it 15 kilometers in back of the woods. Now, if I had my sled or um, a trailer or something like that, of course. Or if I'm glamping, you know, camping off the truck. 100% love my cast iron. And, yep. but I mean, oh, sorry. 
I, I was in the dollar store the other day, and they have small cast iron frying pans and pots. I've seen those, the pre-seasoned ones. I'm kind of, I wonder about the quality. <laughs> I kind of want to buy one and just see how it turns out. Like, maybe worst, it's just a real bad seasoning. But I, I don't know. <laughs> like, what could really go wrong? I mean, yes. depending yes, on the chemicals and steel they used in it. Cast <laughs> yes, iron, in case anyone's unfamiliar with it, is it's it had its advantages. It's as tough as nails. It really never warps. You never see a warped cast iron frying pan or pot. Um, and if you've warped one, you've done something very, very bad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the downside is they will rust if they're not properly cured for and treated, and they take a bit more work. And they're generally a thicker piece of steel, so they, well, iron, and they weigh uh, a fair bit. But honestly, it is really hard to beat cast iron when it comes to cooking. Like thin steel, the titanium, even the aluminum, you can really mess up those pots with too much heat. And, uh, you know, it's a little, you have to be a little bit more careful with them. Cast iron, you can really be kind of rugged with. So uh, it's a good subject. I, I like cast iron myself. Um, again, like you said, on a canoe trip, I'm not doing a lot of portaging. I might take a cast iron pot or Dutch oven frying pan. And I have small ones. I do eggs and stuff. I'll take them because it's what? still a pound, but yeah. it's only a pound. And, and it brings me so much happiness. Like, well, seeing we're talking yeah. about cast iron... Let's keep cast iron in the conversation. Because honestly, it's not a bad idea, Red Barrow. I mean, it's not bad. And anybody else that's joined us there, we have Chris Loveless and uh, Danny from Red Sand Adventures join us in the comments there too. And there's some stuff coming up, so let's just keep it on the roll here. Um, so one of the key things that you said, which is one of the big points I wanted to get to kind of early on, because cooking is going to be a, a big thing for a lot of people. That's generally where this conversation comes. So let's talk about the uses in cooking. And one of the big things... Or one of the differences, one of the big differences you're going to see between all these materials is going to be its durability and heat distribution uh, properties. And this is yes. where a lot of the, okay, I'm going to start researching what I want because now, you know, it does make a difference comes into play for people. So the big thing right off the bat, uh, and you can vouch for this because I know you have a titanium cup and pot, right? Oh, yeah. So instead of yeah. me talking about it, why don't you tell us what you found uh, about titanium when it comes to like a pot or cookware. So I, I have nothing bad to say about my titanium pot and cup. I've taken them quite a bit. Um, I got a cup that, that nests well into the, and they're not the same company. Um, I was able to get one with bailing, the bailing wire as well as a handle, I think for the pot. I've also, in my wish list right now, I guarantee you, there is a larger titanium pot that I want for the family. Um, some of the neat things is if you want to heat it up in a fire, it'll actually change colors, which you can get like a really cool look to it. Um, it's relatively non-stick right from the factory. Like there's no need for an additional coating or anything. In fact, a lot of pots and pans you can buy high end are titanium coated for that very reason. So, uh, it works pretty well. Um, the issue I would kind of have is generally if you're camping with it, it's a relatively thin piece of titanium. It's got decent strength to it, but its heat distribution capabilities are minimal. And that means like if you heat up one spot, it's not heating up the whole pot. It's going to heat up that one spot, like literally. 
And when you take it away from the fire, it cools down relatively quickly. It doesn't hold the heat like a cast iron frying pan. You heat one of those up, it's good for hours. Well, maybe not. It's good for a while. You can still burn yourself on a hot cast iron frying pan well after you've taken away from the fire. Um, as long as there's nothing in the titanium pot to heat it up, it, it'll cool down within, I'd say, seconds, but yeah, a couple of minutes anyways, right? So, yeah, and that's kind of some of the big things that I found in my research with titanium is uh, the big benefits to titanium. For anybody that's wondering why does people gravitate towards titanium, out of most of the materials, it's generally the lightest. Now, it's not miles ahead of aluminum, but for the thinness and for the weight, it's more durable than aluminum is. So you're getting all that super lightweight stuff with a decent durability, with a decent nonstick finish. Uh, and as Ben had mentioned here, some of the negatives for it were I found its thermal failure point was a little less than what stainless steel would be. So depending on how hot you are getting these things, and I mean, we're talking pretty hot temperatures here. Uh, it's probably not common temperatures you're going to find just by cooking some uh, food in them. Like you're going to you're gonna be putting out some serious BTUs to get these things to the thermal failures. But I have a titanium stove, a little tiny BSR 2000 or whatever it's called. And I've had one of the arms fail with a larger bucket of water because as they heat it up, it didn't melt, but it softened. It softened enough that it, it failed and, and failed to hold up the weight. Um, so. And this is kind of where I was going. I don't think it's ever going to fail to the point where it's going to melt, but it could weaken the structural integrity. I have heard several people say about having heavier pots and stuff on like their little titanium stoves, an arm would fail, or more specifically, a titanium wood stove with a titanium pipe or something in there, you'll get a lot of warping. Um, it tends to heat up and then it'll change like the, the, the set shape of the stove or the cookware or something like that. Once again, not so prominent with cookware on this one, but definitely when you get into the stove and chimneys and stuff like that, you can get some potential discoloring for sure. But I mean, that's not a big deal. Not to me anyway, maybe it is to somebody else, but to me irrelevant, but you do get a lot of warping and I have had people, um, mention that after so many uses, their stoves don't pack down correctly anymore if you get one of the folding stoves uh just because it's warped and stuff doesn't fit as smooth as it should doors might leak a little bit more air there's just a little bit more shifting and stuff in them is that you know a, a deal breaker absolutely not but it's something to be aware of titanium on this list also tends to be probably the most expensive material in this but titanium from my understanding, and this is where my research gets a little hazy, it was kind of tailored towards the ultralight crew and hikers and long walkers and stuff like that where literally ounces matter and you are going to pay for that on the other end. I mean, if you're shaving off three ounces and you're like, oh, wow, it's three ounces, that's nothing. Why would I care? The people that care realize that three ounces adds up over time and distance and they're usually willing to pay a little bit more. So to that effect, well, oh, sorry, go ahead, Ben. Is it, they call them gram weenies because it's not three ounces they're worried about. It's three grams. Like these are the same people that will cut the tags after their coat because that's weight they don't need to carry. These are the same guys that will say my shoelaces are too long, so I'm going to cut them down a little bit because I don't want extra weight to come with me. They cut the arm off their toothbrush so it's not, not as heavy, like, you know, these are people that worry about each and every gram, and that makes a difference. If you want to cut grams, 
aluminum, I weighed it out. An aluminum pot and a titanium pot only differed by a few grams. And honestly, the average person isn't going to notice it. Like it's, it's a few grams of rice. It's a few, you know, but to those guys, it does matter. Right? But that's the thing. There is a niche group out there that it incredibly matters. And I guess the last thing I wanted to mention, because Red Bear did say it here, is when it comes to the heat distribution, uh, when you are cooking with them, as Ben said as well, wherever has the heat, has the heat. It doesn't disperse that heat out and give you an even heat. It's very easy to burn things in titanium cook sets, especially if you have like a titanium pan and you're trying to fry a steak, for instance. You may get a burn spot wherever your stove happens to be pushing on that and the outsides may not sear as much. Um, now, if you're cooking a lot of liquids, of course, the liquid's going to act as a little bit of a heat sink. It's going to spread the heat out a little bit. Not so much of a problem. It's generally when you're frying uh, and stuff like that where the heat isn't going to easily be distributed through whatever you're cooking but it is something to be aware of and it, that was actually one of the deal breakers for me i liked something that dispersed heat a little bit more um and of course the price tag scared me away as well not that i would ever turn down titanium if somebody wanted to get me something titanium by all means i'm not going to say no but for me when i was actually out shopping and stuff it's just i didn't need that ultra light setting and I didn't really have the funds to purchase it at the time. It has come down a little bit in price since when it made its debut. Don't get me wrong. But uh, it's still generally the more expensive one on this list. If you uh, you want to see expensive, there's now silicone dishes that fold up. that just have like a titanium or aluminum base that weigh even less and are more packable. So you can literally get a pot that's like one and a half, two liters that folds down to the size of a dinner plate and weighs a fraction of your dinner plate. <clears throat> so, you know, if you want to get into the most lightweight, most compact gear, there's some cool stuff out there. I looked at it the other day, um, Atmosphere and Mech. I went and down and visited both places. So there are like hybrid items out there that you can do some really cool stuff with. But the scary thing is like, with those, it says flame can never come in contact with the silica. So you have to use it on a proper stove, a stove with mm -hmm. a really controlled flame. You, if you had a stove that had wider flame, it wouldn't work. Um, so that's something to sort of keep in mind. Titanium, as you said, is by far your, your most expensive. Also, probably the least likely to corrode. Yeah, and that's another intrinsic thing about titanium is it usually isn't reactive with oxygen, meaning it won't oxidize, getting corrosion or rust or whatever, right? Yeah. I, mean, I have quite a bit of titanium stuff. I have a titanium canister stove. I have titanium utensils, which some of which I've heated up just to make them change color so they have the cool blues and stuff in them. Uh, it doesn't hurt it at all. I have titanium pots. I have others in the And I have the big wood stove that I take camping that's all titanium um i like it it's lightweight it's it's pretty durable um you know it's not perfect by any means but it, it definitely has some advantages now see for me that's probably where i would start jumping on the titanium ship is once it gets into like the little wood stove as you said you're going to be saving some significant weight at that po uh that point you know what i mean but you're also looking at several hundred dollars in the price difference as well between a stainless steel or iron or steel wood stove of any kind versus a titanium um, one so if you look up the dash i have 
I think the, the difference in weight was significant. The price difference was only about a hundred bucks. Oh, that's not so bad then. See, I'm a little detached from the price there, but I did know before, uh, generally your titanium stoves are coming in like around the $500 mark. Some of the ones I was looking at. Um, so that means that must be down around the three, $400 mark now. Uh, yeah, so right now you can get the stainless steel. Uh, it was on for 400 It's on for 285 right now for Dash Now. That's with just the one window. If I put the side window on my titanium, I remember it would have weighed the same as the stainless steel mm. one without the window, right? So the glass was the difference. Well, glass uh, is glass, and glass is heavy for what it is, too. Um, yeah, so the, stain, the stainless steel one with the single piece of glass... 6.6 .6 pounds. See if I can find the titanium one. I was just about to say, I don't know what the titanium one is off my head. <clears throat> so while you are looking that up, we've kind of talked a little bit about uh, titanium. We're coming up to the 20-minute mark there, and that's kind of what I was trying to keep us to for each one of these things um after your titanium the next common one is probably going to be stainless steel did you find the weight of it there 3.55 so i almost have to wait yeah i was gonna say that's a significant difference yeah. but uh, and right now you can buy it for 240 with a 40 coupon for 200 bucks basically or 400 bucks so that's not bad at all. That's still a pretty good price. Four forty with take forty bucks off. That is the stove I have. I'm pretty happy with it. So, you know, give or take about a hundred dollar difference. Um, but half the weight, which does add up. Like I said, if you start adding the extra glass and all that, all of a sudden you're starting to encroach on on the weight of steel again. Um, but is that glass worth it? You, you have to make those decisions. And that's true. Um, I mean, it gives you a little extra light, but it provides a lot of extra weight. So, and I think we chatted about that a little bit when we talked about your stove, I think. Um, but yeah, sorry, uh, getting back to it. The next one is going to be stainless steel and stainless is the one I like, but it does have some significant disadvantages too. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Stainless for me is good because it hits that high durability, low cost thing for me. You know what I mean? Um, generally it's very resilient to heat. It does spread heat. Okay. Depending on how thick a steel that we're going to talk about here. Um, it's not as good as cast iron. And that is the beauty of cast iron for anyone that was wondering if you even have like a one burner on a cast iron, it will eventually spread that heat out. Like, I mean, it may take a while, but eventually it will spread that heat out. It'll be slightly yeah. hotter in the middle, but the rest of it will actually heat up. Aluminum is somewhat like that. It, it's a fairly decent conductor and it'll um, thermally regulate that heat a little bit out uh, enough so that I'm okay with it. But like I said, the big thing for me was it was the cost of it. It's generally not that expensive. Uh, it's probably going to be a little bit more than aluminum, but not as much as titanium. It kind of falls in that middle ground. Now, the other thing that I like about stainless steel for me anyway, is if you ever break anything, 
Stainless steel is pretty easy to walk to a shop and have welded or fixed or manipulated in any way that you need it to be. It's also pretty easy to get if you have friends that potentially work around metal shops and things like that. Stainless comes through. Um, it's just generally more commonly found around. Maybe not any more so than aluminum, but we're going to talk about aluminum in a few minutes. Now... The big downside to uh, stainless steel, well, one of the big downsides is it's probably the heaviest one we're going to talk about. Stainless steel can add up in weight really freaking quick. But, I mean, we've joked about it in past podcasts that, like, a 50-pound bag for me going into the woods, it's not really that uncommon. So I'm not the kind of person that's trying to shave down ounces and grams and stuff like that. I just put my stuff in as long as I can carry the bag. I'm good. Uh, but I'm also not like trekking the Appalachian mountains, you know what I mean? I'm generally not walking any more than maybe 10 kilometers a day. That's, you know, I can push it and walk further, but my happy, my happy pace to stop, smell the flowers, do my things about 10 kilometers a day. And realistically, I don't need to worry too much about weight. So as long as you don't have to worry too much about weight, stainless steel is a great option because it doesn't cost you a lot of money. It's fairly durable, packs down fairly good. They make a ton of stuff out of stainless steel. And it's pretty tough for what it is. Um, the other thing about stainless steel, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Ben, because I know seeing you smile as soon as I mentioned is stainless steel can tarnish and rust. It also holds a lot of, uh, it can potentially stain. Uh, you can get micro scratches in it and stuff like that, and it'll hold a lot of pigments and tannin from water and things like that. You may have to take, buff it down with a uh, polish cloth or something like that. Uh, it can look a little grubbier, at least I find anyway. What What's your thoughts there, Ben? Yeah, you, you, you definitely get some staining on it. Uh, even the best stainless steel, especially if it's been heated a few times, can tend to corrode if you if you don't take good care of it. You have to clean it pretty quickly. Um, it's, it is relatively easy to clean. Like if you did get some corrosion on it, it's not too deep. You can usually get that out with a bit of scratch braid or something. Um, I just quickly looked it up. If you wanted to get, like, say, an MSR steel pot, Solo was the one that came up, it weighs about a pound. Uh, you can get a similar size titanium one that weighs about half a pound. Um, and the interesting thing is the stainless steel one is about 26 bucks. The titanium one, 62 bucks right now. Mm. Now, the lid does act as a, a nutter pot or a small frying pan, so there's an advantage there. Um, the MSR Alpine stowaway pot would be somewhat equivalent at 27 bucks. So if you're looking to save yourself some money, it is a significant savings. And honestly, what's half a pound in difference? Uh, and that's kind of where durable. I came back to it, but... I do find the stainless steel a little bit more durable if it dents... I think it's almost more prone to denting, but it's easy to push the dent back out. Possibly. I know, like, I have pits in mine from dropping it on rocks and stuff, but it very rarely, like, affects it beyond any use. I've never broken a pot or a cup or anything like that beyond being able to use it. Um, no. The other thing I, I guess I should mention about stainless steel, because somebody may ask this question, is it, it has no nonstick properties, period. If you're using a stainless steel pot... Um, you kind of got to polish the inside of it. The smoother it is, the less things will stick, but they all have a tendency to stick a little bit. So plan to bring some sort of non-stick to cook with, be it a little bit of butter, some vol um, olive oil, whatever your 
choice happens to be, but you are going to need some sort of lubrication for that to keep things from sticking. Um, now, where I do find stainless steel shines quite a bit is in things like tent pegs and stuff. Uh, I find the weight is, you know, it's really not that much more than aluminum or things like that. And they last forever, though they do corrode a little bit. They'll put some sort of ionizing on them or something like that to stop them from rusting. But they still tend to build up a little bit of corrosion. So, long story short, all that down in, it's if you're looking for a middle ground product that kind of does everything pretty good, but nothing super well... Um, it's kind of stainless steel and that's where, huh, gosh, it seems like that's where my life falls, but honestly, that's where the majority of my gear falls. I like, uh, having a little versatility with it. Uh, but I'm also fairly hard on my stuff. And I realized if I had titanium, I would probably destroy my titanium within my first few outings. Uh, cause I am not the most gentle person and I know that about myself and I weighed that into my options when I was purchasing stuff. So, so far we've talked about, um... Titanium and stainless steel. So titanium, light, uh, expensive, non-stick, and poor thermally regulated. Stainless steel, heavy, but tough as nails, kind of sticks like a bugger, but it's cheap. <laughs> so the last one in our list that we're going to talk about a little bit, and this one I left a little extra time for because uh, I kind of flew through stainless steel. It's aluminum, and the reason I want to leave a little extra time for aluminum is because there's a lot to talk about with aluminum. There's some old wise tales and misconceptions and stuff like that that scared a lot of people away from aluminum. Uh, and I shouldn't say wise tales because there was some truth to it, but it depended on a lot of things. Um, but aluminum is not a bad material. It's generally going to be one of your more budget-friendly options, usually coming in at the lowest price point. Usually not heavy, weight-wise, it's in and around titanium, though I do think titanium is still lighter. Um, but the dirt... It is. It is. Titanium is still yeah. lighter, by, I believe. But um, the durability, that that's kind of where the aluminum lacks a little bit. Uh, generally, your aluminum stuff is going to have a coating on it. They're going to call it like an ionized coating or something like that, and that's going to give it the durability on the outside not to tarnish. Aluminum, or raw aluminum at least, when exposed to the elements, especially salt and a few other things, uh, it'll build up tarnish. And it's different from rust, because it's not like iron oxide, it's, it's literally some other kind of, I don't know what the chemical makeup off is it, but it's tarnish that's on the white, like outside, it's a white powdery residue, and it doesn't take much for it to seep in and start working its way through aluminum. Um... Something else to be aware of that I didn't know. I had an old thermometer in one of my backpacks, you know, like one of the old mercury thermometers, and I'm dating myself here because those are no longer a thing. <laughs> Aluminum does not react well to mercury. Just so you we're mean, clear. Actually, few metals do. <laughs> and that's fair. Yeah. That's fair to be. Um, yeah, so aluminum definitely sm lighter than uh, steel. Uh, still, you generally, for the similar strength characteristics um for the thickness you're getting because aluminum by weight is still stronger than steel yeah and it would be right um titanium is i think considered stronger still but yeah so it's still stronger than aluminum but it's more expensive in general uh aluminum i'm, I'm looking on amazon just to see some aluminum pots trying to find like a good comparison 
And honestly, it's a similar price range. I'm finding it 50 bucks for a certain, oh, okay. like a one box. Uh, so, so it's possibly oftentimes more expensive depending on the item. Small, like one liter kettles are fairly common. They're around 26 bucks. That's the ones with the little tiny spout and a really neat, almost stereotypical camping, like just beautiful. Um, so yeah, there's, there's some options out there. Uh, you mentioned the health risk there, right? Like, and this was something that was brought up more in when I say quote unquote, the olden days, there was a thing called, or what people were worried about was aluminum oxide poisoning. And with a lot of old raw aluminum, this was kind of a thing. Your pots would get so old that you'd be down to the raw aluminum and it could oxidize a little bit, get into your foods. And it, there was debate if it led to Alzheimer's. And I mean, there's two sides of that coin. Some people think it do. Some people think it doesn't. I'm not getting into that part of the debate, but there was some health risks or some health worries that were associated to aluminum for a long time. So much so that even when I was getting into it, I was told to avoid aluminum like the plague. Didn't matter what it was. If it was aluminum, do not own it. I, I remember, um, I'm pretty sure it's uh, really big monkey, Dave. Like he's been on here. I don't know if he's here today. I think he did a, did a thing where he actually got a whole bunch of his aluminum pots together and he put applesauce in it to see if it reacted. So he, he did a, an episode on that. Uh, and he found certain older ones. They usually had like a pitting and they were thicker. That style tended to do it. The rest of them were fairly fine. There was a correlation at one point between Alzheimer's and potentially um, aluminum, but there's a bunch of other factors that could have just as easily been it. So they, they've never said it's been a proven or, uh, you know, it's just something to be somewhat aware. There may be a health effect. It was a debatable topic. There's been no hard evidence to say 100% if, one way or another. If that's your concern, just stop drinking pop from aluminum cans and beer from aluminum cans also. And now I know that there's a thin layer of plastic protecting the aluminum forever touching your beverage, but still it's there. And when you snap it open, a little granules of that is going to get into your drink and you are drinking those little granules at a time. Yep. Little, less than drink size. I guarantee it. It's happening. So it's funny that you mentioned that video because I was actually going to bring it up. If anybody was huh. interested in if your aluminum that you have could potentially react, as Ben said, Dave did do a video, and that's Real Big Monkey 1. Search him on YouTube there and just look up aluminum testing or something like that. I can't remember what I searched. But anyway, he did take a lot of it, and he used applesauce. And apparently if you heat this up with the applesauce in it, it turns pinkish if it's oxidizing, I believe is how it went. And that's how he was telling if the pots were you know, potentially giving off aluminum oxide. And I was really hoping Dave would join us tonight so I could pick his brain a little bit on this, but he didn't. He's uh, he's a busy man himself, so that's all good. Um, but yeah, that, that was kind of an older thing um, or lower quality thing. And from what I understood, it was when they were like a mold injected. Basically, there was a mold and they injected it and the metal became very porous. Uh, it tarnished in these pores and that's what released the aluminum oxide. Now, what's more common today is it's like pressed steel generally it's a big flat steel and there's like uh, a mold and then a hammer and it pushes everything in and it shapes everything in one big press or pulled aluminum whichever way you want to think of it that way and it's not as prone to these breakdowns and stuff like that 
also to back it up, as we mentioned at the start, they generally put some sort of ionized coating on these things now. And that also helps with the non-stickness. It also helps with the durability on the outside of it because aluminum does scratch fairly easy. Um, so it offers it a little protection. And honestly, after getting into the bushcrafting and talking to a lot of people and things like that, I've talked to people that have used aluminum through their entire life and have had zero problems. So do with that information what you will. I highly encourage anybody that's wondering, do a little bit of research for you. See where you feel about it. For me, I don't think it's an issue anymore. I'm not going to go pull old aluminum pots out of you know landfills and try and reclaim them. But anything that's relatively new that I'm buying, I'm pretty confident is not going to cause any problems. Now, the health part out of the side there... Aluminum does have much of the characteristics that titanium would have. It doesn't distribute the heat as well, so you can get hot spotting. Uh, it can potentially warp under heat. Its thermal failure point is lower than steel again. Uh, so once it's a lot of the same things as titanium, but once upon a time, apparently Ben has just informed us uh, otherwise, but it used to be the cheaper option. Aluminum was everywhere, and it was fairly cheap. Uh, but apparently now that's no longer the problem, but most metals are up in price. You know what I mean? So that doesn't really super shock me, but, uh, still good to be aware of. Yeah. So I just, like I Googled aluminum versus titanium and aluminum is considered lighter than titanium, but it's the thicknesses you're dealing with, right? Like titanium pot will still be relatively rigid enough when it's made thinner. The way aluminum works, why we use it in aircraft, I may know something about that, is that its strength to weight ratio is really good. So even though it might be a thicker bracket, it still weighs less than a, than a comparable one. So Red Bear Tactical, just a comment from the side here, because I am trying to talk about stuff, uh, or talk about the comments as they come up. He says, I love my aluminum kettle. I've had the same one for 25 years, but that's the only one I cook with. I find all aluminum pots and pans have a Teflon coating, and he refuses to cook with Teflon, which is, once again, it's one of those things, much like the um, the aluminum, or sorry, like the aluminum oxide, there's a lot of people that don't like to cook with Teflon surfaces, because as it flakes off, it can produce carcinogens, it can potentially be caustic, I mean you know, same old tune, you know what I mean? So once again, highly encourage you guys to do your research on any of the health aspects and stuff like that. We're not doctors. We never claimed to be doctors. And frankly, if you listen to us talk, you will realize that we pretty much do the opposite of what uh, most sane doctors would recommend that you do because we're, well, we're <laughs> foolish. We're a special breed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so Ben, you did send me a pot here. Did you want to talk about that? I thought you might want to talk about it briefly. Uh, you don't have to go into super detail with it. It's just an interesting thing. Um, so that, that was something I had mentioned earlier. So if you look at that one, it has a steel plate. Or not steel. It will probably tell you what the material is. It's a lightweight sort of, uh, plate. That's the only metal on the pot. Everything else is silicone. The whole thing folds down. makes very little space. See? There you go. So that's the fold down. So this is that silicone cook pot that you're talking about. Yeah. 8354. It's hard anodized. So anodizing is a special way of, of oxidizing the outside in a protective way that also tends to be a nonstick. And it's, 
there's a cost and effort to, to anodizing a piece of aluminum. Uh, you'll see a lot of stuff like flashlights are anodized and it's, they can color it. So it's, you know, you can do some research in it. It kind of helps protect it, kind of makes it a bit better. So in that picture there, um, you can see that kind of metal base with the uh, silicone pot coming up. So just another alternative when you're thinking about it. I mean, there's no one one solution answer at all, but th that actually costs probably more than a titanium equivalent. But once again, you're getting that compactability that a lot of lightweight people look for. It's low in weight, and these folks are probably going to be cooking with some sort of stove, be it like a, a jet boil stove or a nice uh, butane stove, uh, something like that. As yeah. you mentioned way back, this would be no good cooking over a campfire. <laughs> or it would no. be tricky to use to cook over a campfire. Yeah. I mean, that one pot there, 83 bucks, I think it shows up there is. That's a lot of money to go in and ruin on your first trip. It's I've seen people ruin more expensive items on a trip. So, but nobody ruins an item ha and happy about it right like you spend good money on your gear you want it to last so um when you buy gear if you're going to hang it over an open fire you probably want an all metal um and make that right decision uh the beauty of a good cast iron i can tell you now if you got like a cast iron um what they call it, dutch oven and you can bury it in the coals you can you can do a beautiful meal with that right can you do that with the other pots? Kind of. It's just not the same. Like it's that that even distribution. So let's talk cast iron soon. We're on that subject, and I'm going to do a tiny story, uh, only because it's my own house that burnt, and I don't mind talking about this. Uh, as people know, I'm with the fire service, been to a lot of fires, and seen some weird stuff. Now I owned a house in Marigamish. There was an electrical problem. The house burnt down. When we got to the call, which, by the way, it's really weird being called to a fire at your own house when you're not there. Uh, it was a second property. I live elsewhere. This was just a family home. Anyway, uh, we got called. We went down. We were doing our investigations, trying to figure out what was going on. Now, we're talking this fire had gotten hot enough to warp security doors. I had, like, big steel security doors on the outside of mine because I, had, I didn't go there often, and I wanted to make sure nobody kicked the doors in to smash my stuff up. All that stuff. So I had big steel security doors. We're talking like the old steel bed frames, steel tubs, things like that that was in this. Because this was a house that was built probably like 60s, 70s. Um, and I had a couple old cast iron Dutch ovens and pots and stuff like that. So while we're sifting through the stuff, these big security doors, they're literally just like warped out of out of any kind of distinguishable door shape. Uh, I had aluminum ladders out behind the house. They literally melted into puddles. Uh, the old bed frames, basically some of that slagged into melt. Some of it was warped and skewed and all this stuff. And the old cast iron cookware pulled it oh. out of the, <laughs> pulled it out of the ashes. And I kid you not. I still have my cast iron frying pan. Still use it. Been through a house fire, still works fine. Had to re-season it, clean it, all that good stuff. It's the only thing I saved from the whole house down there. But that's a testament to cast iron. It's big, it's heavy, it's solid, but it is bulletproof. Have you seen where people polish them? Like where they actually mirror polish them? Yeah. I've seen one video on YouTube and I haven't gone back to see what the point of this is. So please, fill me in on why people are mirror polishing cast iron. Apparently, it's it still becomes a non-stick surface. It just looks pretty pretty cool. Is it worth the effort? Probably not. <laughs> uh, 
That's fair. And that's the beauty of uh, cast iron, again, is when you season it correctly and you heard us throw that term around. <laughs> term, wow. Oh, the old redneck's coming out into me tonight. We threw that term around a little bit. Um, it's you heat it up and you apply some oil to it. The oil soaks into some of the pores because cast iron is a porous metal. Uh, it's made by, they have a mold and they inject metal into it. Um, so anyway, you get some pores. The oil will kind of soak into this thing. It makes it non-stick. Like the whole thing will become non-stick. The downside is you can't really wash your cast iron frying pans with the rest of your dishes. You pretty much have to wash that pan independently of anything else. Uh, use very little, if any, kind of soap. Like I just like to put some water in mine, reheat it up on the stove. Then I run it through some hot water with a small uh, scouring pad, dry the whole thing off and put it away. That's how I do my cast iron. There's going to be people that roll their eyes. That's too much, too little. doesn't matter. That's how I do mine. But the general thing is you don't want to put soap in there because it's going to lift that oil off. It's going to ruin your seasoning um, or your non-stick preparation. And generally, you do the whole pan. And there's different ways to do it. You can do it in an oven. You can do it on the top of the stove. Uh, the way I used to do it was literally burying it in coals. You know what I mean? So take of that what you will there's tons of videos on the internet to show you how to properly season a cast iron frying pan but like i said you can dig one of those out of a burnt out house uh clean it up re-season it and keep on cooking with it problem is that pan weighs no word of a lie 15 pounds you know what i mean like it's a 15 pound frying pan trying to pick up a cast iron like a good size cast iron frying pan with one hand and food in it is it's an effort because already weighs more than another frying pan full of food. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. But the it distributes the heat. If you're cooking on a uh, over coals or over like a gas fire or something like that, you don't really get the hot spotting where it just heats up that one spot where the flame is touching and nothing else. Now, granted, you have to let your pan preheat significantly more than you would with any of our other cooking options that we put out there. But if you let it warm up and generally uh, leave it low and let it go, <laughs> you know what I mean? And that'll kind of evenly distribute the heat and then you can kind of turn it up a little bit. You throw your stuff in. And even if you lose your heat source for some reason, depending on how hot you got that frying pan, it could potentially stay hot enough to finish cooking your meal. You know what I mean? I've seen a good many a times that I've... Um, thrown something in my cast iron frying pan that came out of the oven just to keep it warm for as ben joked uh several hours after the fact maybe not that long but definitely an hour it's still warm after an hour yeah. it holds its heat it's it part of that's the the thickness of it the weight like the thermal mass is there and the other products we're talking there's no real physical mass to hold all that heat so it goes away i quickly looked up lodge has a really good site um and it talks about what is seasoning? And it basically says cast iron seasoning is a layer of carbonized oil and it's a process called polymerization. So those oil polymerizes onto it, onto it and creates that non-stick uh, surface. And it's done by just adding a very thin layer of oil and heating it up to the point where it, it bonds to the, you know, the carbon bonds to the steel. And that carbon layer is your non-stick texture. There's a whole list of the science and how to care for it and how to cure it and how to fix it so if you're interested in cast iron lodge has an awesome site go on there look it up um i see red bear tactical talked about his father taking one home and using it for years that they found in an old sawdust pile i've seen one sitting outside left in 
to corrode pretty bad. I thought there'd be no saving to it. Someone took a wire brush to it. A few few days later, they were using it. So it doesn't take that much, right? Yep. The biggest <laughs> drawback to cast iron is literally its weight. It's heavy. Yeah. There's no getting around it. It is heavy. But um, now all that being said, we've talked mostly about cooking stuff. But we've named most of the characteristics of what each material is, and you can kind of translate this to other materials. So, like, when I talked about tent pegs, you can get titanium yeah. tent pegs. They're super light. You can get aluminum tent pegs. They're super light. You can get steel ones. They're a little heavier, and they probably cost a little less. It all translates through. Just use what we talked about with the cooking, because, number one, that is where most people look at this stuff. Uh, and, number two, most of the characteristics are you can carry over to their other uses. Like, uh, you have... Um, I know when you did your hammock setup, you're using some aluminum arrow shafts for a Marlin yep. spike, right? Yeah. And that works great. There'd be really no purpose to flip that over to like a stainless steel rod. It, You know what I mean? <laughs> no, but I have. So when I first started off, I went and got a, a bright nail, like a four inch bright nail. And that's what I used as my toggle. Didn't weigh all that much, really. It was more than strong enough to do it. I replaced that with an aluminum shaft, um, which is hollow, which I was able to eventually find two thin stainless steel uh, tent pegs that slid inside of it and just made a really neat kit. And those two tent pegs are the only two tent pegs I use on my hammock setup because it's just two to go to the ground. Everything else goes to the trees. Um, you know, I would never tell someone you could only use one or the other. Like, use what makes sense. The tent peg, honestly, I have a definitely aluminum tent pegs, and I know I have steel ones, and I probably have had some titanium ones. I'm pretty sure I do. Reality is, titanium ones cost a lot of money. And when uh, you lose them, <laughs> you can well, cry. A, I've, lost, I've lost tent pegs, some of which, even cheap ones, because they, they fit the kit so well, I, I regret losing but if you're going to bend it and mess it up, I'd rather bend and mess up a $3 tent peg than a $15 tent peg, right? And anyone looking at me saying, you spent that much on a tent peg? I, yeah, maybe. <laughs> right? So Chris Loveless from the comments here said he had a cast iron stove. It's been outside for years uh, through rain and snow. Hasn't rusted through yet, but it's probably going to. Not sure how to restore so if it's cast iron once you have to literally you gotta get rid of the rust uh get rid of the rust and see if there's metal left if there's enough metal left it has to be a pretty even thickness all the way through it get it inside somewhere dry uh let it dry out a little bit get all that rust off it then take it back outside literally and build a fire in the bugger and just pound the heat to it uh where it's outside away from everything and just see how it's going to act. Make sure there's no thermal failure. Uh, it doesn't start pitting and you get pinholes with smoke and stuff like that popping out. And once it gets hot and then cools back down, it's going to carbon on the inside anyway from the smoke and stuff. Then you can put some stove polish or whatever you want on the outside, recure it that way, start another fire, burn off all those fumes, and you should be good to go. Uh, but the big thing is you got to get rid of that rust 100%. If there's any of that left, it'll just continue to corrode along. Believe it or not, and you, you want to talk to your welder, uh, there is a way to weld cast. It isn't as easy. I think it's you have not. You have to. There is a process. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. So 
if there was just a small crack in it or that there was a few thin spots, it could be built back up. It wouldn't be built back up with a cast iron, but it would be built back up with a steel in that location. But it can be repaired. It's it's yeah, cast iron welding sucks. Yeah, I was about to say there is a process to it, and it, it's I've done it several times. I've done it successfully half a time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It it's it's just theoretically possible. Like the whole process for it, from my understanding, is is quite involved, and that's one of the things. If anyone who's there's some cast iron parts that we we worked on years ago and it doesn't take huge temperature changes as well either in some cases like if you get it extremely hot and cool it down it could shatter um this isn't generally a problem with your frying pans because you're not getting them that hot you're not getting them blood red and quenching them um but and yeah. I'm not sure about this, Chris. Uh, when you weld cast us in future uses, cause it to give up carbon monoxide. I honestly don't know, sir. Uh, it, what I welded was a foot back onto a cast iron stove, which wasn't going to get hot enough for me that to be a worry for me. Once again, we're not doctors. We're not chemists. We're not even decent outdoors <laughs> people compared to some people. So definitely do your own research there. It always cracks on me. And that's the thing. If you're trying to weld cast, the only way I've found to do it successfully is I've have ne never been able to do it with wire feed, although I know some people swear by it. And you got to get the stuff bloody hot before you ever even touch an arc to it. Uh, usually I heat it up with my saddling gear almost to the point of where it would... It's not really puddling, but it's definitely red. And then try and hit the weld on it then. And that's the only time I've had success with it. Now other people I know, they've welded it and they just... Just do it. I know somebody that's welded a cast iron frying pan and uh, went back to cooking with it. So if it is releasing carbon monoxide, I mean, that sucks for him, but that was his choice. I mean, the steel itself wouldn't let car carbon monoxide. I would assume that if they're saying something like that, it has much more to do with it's got holes in it. Yeah, brazing it would work too. And I was going to say, that's much more common what I've seen is uh, brazing or bronzing. So Yeah. You always see the color difference, but if, you know. You want a stove for your 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 shop or something? I don't. I own it. You you have a wood fire going in your shop. You should probably be running a carbon monoxide sensor, anyways. I know guys are running their tents. Carbon monoxide detectors? Oh, for sure. I have a wood stove in the house, and I got one, uh, two of them in the house. You know what I mean? So they're not a bad idea, folks. <laughs> uh, but yeah. No, I think that's kind of the. Yeah, there. that's kind of I mean, it with the bonus just... of uh, cast iron, which I never really intended to bring into this, but it was a good point to bring it in. And those silicone ones, I didn't even know those existed. That's kind of neat. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's a lot of product in this. When you're talking about ultralight, you know, the more ultralight you can find and the more compact you can find, uh, the, the price tends to go up, right? Um, the beauty of steel, I find, and even like some lightweight thin copper ones go to any thrift store and you can pick up decent pans and stuff like that like to that type of gear right no completely agree but um like you said i think that's the goodest place as any to kind of wind it down here tonight we are on a 50 minute mark anyway we kept it fairly informative 
kind of story free, which is interesting for us. Just a couple basic stories. Uh, so yeah, I think that's as good a place to any off there. Once again, I want to thank everybody that joined us here tonight. We had Steve pop on for a few minutes. Red Bear Tactical, uh, Red Sand Adventures, or Danny over there, Chris Loveless. Anyone else I might have missed? Thanks for joining us there, guys. Um, and one of the key things that Steve said way back there that I kind of want to circle back to is all these materials serve a place. It kind of depends what you're going to do with it as to what material is going to work best for you and what you're looking for. So I guess that's as good a way as any to end this off. Yeah. All right, Ben. Right, same bat time, same, uh, same channel, <laughs> same time next week. For sure. <laughs> all yes. right. And we'll figure out our topic then, and I promise I'll be a little more on the ball. It's just been a wicked week at work, and wow, three W's. But in any case, see y'all next week, everybody. <laughs> see y'all.